0: Welcome back to Settlement Nation podcast, brought to you by the only planar Focus structured settlement company, Independent Life. Today, we have a great show for you. Joining me is Chris Bua, mm-hmm. as always, and Brandon Yosha from Yosha Cook and Tish from Indiana. Now, Brandon has an amazing story that I cannot wait to share with you, and it's going to inspire both the new and experienced trial lawyers as he received a $12.2 million verdict in his first trial only a few weeks out of graduating from law school, which sounds crazy. So we're going to cover that, (laughs) how he personally received guidance from Nick Raleigh and the trial lawyers for justice team on this case, and why it is so important to look to your peers in your journey. So welcome, Brandon.
1: Hi, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me. It's my uh, pleasure and honor.
0: Oh, we're so happy to have you. And, um, you know, I was actually looking through your bio and someone mentioned this to me before all this law stuff, that you were actually some sort of like big football star in no. university. And it's like, you know, even number seven running back in the country, not to, not to give you a big shout out there, but that's pretty impressive. So I want to set the scene. Tell us about your like athletic past.
1: Yeah. Um, so football was definitely my first love. Uh, I started playing football officially when I was Five years old in flag football, um, but when I was even three years old, I can remember running around in my dad's bedroom and forcing him to throw me a football at least a hundred times every night before we went to sleep. And in the first grade, I, I started playing tackle football, and I was playing against the fourth graders. And I, I started off my career as a quarterback, uh, but converted to a running back uh, because my coaches told me I would never pass the ball to the teammates. Um, so they. They said, you might as well just play running back. (laughs) Um, And by the time I got to high school, I I attended a few scouting combines and college camps and um, performed well and was recognized as one of the top prospects in the country uh, for running backs. And before my sophomore and junior season, though, I I tore my ACL and back-to-back years. So this caused me to lose most of my scholarship opportunities. And, uh, fortunately, the University of Miami gave me a shot, um, but they made it contingent on me walking onto the program and proving my worth. Um, so, with a bit of fortitude and, and passion to uh, recover, uh, I was able to be the first walk on in the history of the program that started week one as a true freshman. Um, and I went on to letter my freshman year for the Canes and played in an eight games. Uh, mostly on special teams, but I, I was incredibly proud of this achievement, uh, considering most schools you know had written me off and thought I wouldn't be able to recover from two major knee surgeries. Um, and I was a man on a mission, uh, and much like I am today as a young trial lawyer,
2: so Brandon, uh, switching gears a little bit after your football career ended, you decided to go to law school uh, and follow your father's footsteps, who's also a trial attorney. Have you always wanted to be a trial attorney,
1: um, Chris? To be honest with you, initially I wanted to be a professional football player, um, and I I had aspirations to play in the NFL. And I had a number of friends and teammates in high school and especially college at the University of Miami who are still playing on NFL rosters today. Um, but I also had a lot of friends and teammates who weren't as fortunate to make it to the NFL, and they didn't have a backup plan um and i i knew that i could always go back to the law and practice under um my dad's firm and under my dad's tutelage um given uh, his storied career as a trial lawyer in indiana and i i don't take that for granted because there's a lot of folks that i grew up with that uh didn't have that luxury uh, of a plan b that was their only plan was to play professional football and uh for a lot of, a lot of guys, it doesn't work out.
0: And that's so true. And you do see that um, in a lot of professional, like athletes, they're at the pinnacle of their career in one thing, but it's very hard. You see it with the Olympics too. They transition out. And it's like, I remember a famous guy from Australia, he was like a gold medalist swimmer. And then one day I went to the bank and he was working there. And I was like, what? Like you won gold at the Olympics. So that's really fascinating. Right. And, I, and,
1: and I'm glad, too, that I, I got out of football while I could. You know, what my brain's still intact, at least I think. And <laughs> uh, I, I got out of the game before it was too late. And with a lot of these guys that play, you know, three, four years in the NFL, they pay for it for a lifetime. And they, they don't have the cognitive functioning that they otherwise would have if they would have just put down the cleats. So I, I'm, gl- I'm glad it worked out the way it did.
0: Absolutely. Now, using that cognitive ability that you have, I want to walk through the Simmons versus the Indianapolis Power and Light Co. case. Um, For everyone that isn't aware, I'm going to give you a quick background. Brandon went to trial as a licensed lawyer only five weeks out of law school and achieved a $12.2 million jury verdict. So let that sink in for a little bit. After receiving, and Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong, a $50,000 offer in mediation. And then yep. at last minute, it went up to $500,000. Yep. Um, I want you to take us right back to the beginning how this case came to you and then your relationship with trial lawyers for justice and what happened when you asked them to come in and sort of give you some guidance on this.
1: Yeah. Um, so it was actually a $20 million damage verdict.
0: 40. Oh wow! Sorry, <laughs> um, so I stand I'm, I'm, corrected. <laughs> I,
1: no, but it, it ended up being twelve point two when you account for the fault reduction of forty percent. Right. But I had to uh, correct you on the damage amount. Um, but since uh, this case is in the appellate process now, you know it's accruing thousands of dollars in daily interest. So we're probably around thirteen million in recovery at this point. But um, yeah, once I received notice that I, I passed the Indiana bar. Um, my father told me that I would be given the opening statement in our upcoming jury trial against Indianapolis power and light and Indianapolis power and light is a subsidiary of AES, which is a fortune 500 company that's publicly traded. Uh, so they didn't have slouch attorneys and, um, they, they, they had some big gun, uh, defense attorneys and buddy threw me right into the lion's den. Um and as a law student, I as a law student I worked on the case sparingly and uh helped with a few motions here and there, but I never prepped for the case as if I were gonna be the one giving the opening right. statement. <laughs> um so I, I, I was extremely proud of my father's confidence in me and I worked really hard to prove uh, prove that my dad was right in the eyes of the partners in our practice. And that's where trial lawyers for justice came into the picture. Um, because I, I knew I, I needed some help, um, and actually I reached out to Nick Raleigh, uh, but emailed Nick Coach Amiglio instead, mm-hmm. uh, and he uh, saw my fact pattern, saw my situation, and he got me in touch with Nick Raleigh, and then Nick introduces me to uh, a fellow named Jacob Norman, uh, and. He hears the fact pattern. He hears the situation. He knows the trials coming up in a few weeks and knows we're on a timetable and offers to fly out to Indianapolis to meet with our clients, to meet with me and prepare for my trial debut. (laughs) So when I um, spoke with Jacob, um, him and Nick flew out to Indianapolis and I picked them up from the airport. And this was three days after I just spoke with him. And we get to our office. This is very early in the day. And we meet with Wayne and Amy, talk with them for a bit. And then Jacob and I went into our firm's library to speak with Amy Simmons. And we knew Amy had a strong loss of consortium claim against Indianapolis Power and Light. Mm -hmm. But as a young attorney with little experience, I made a mistake that I'm grateful Jacob caught. And my mistake was that once I started the recording uh, to interview with Amy, this was the first time I had met Amy myself. The first question I asked her was something along the lines of, so Amy, please tell me you remember the day after Wayne was electrically shocked on IPNL's premises. And what was different about Wayne the day after he was shocked? And thankfully, Jacob interjected and he said, I'll never forget it. He said, Brandon, this is a wonderful question and I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. But let's first talk about where Amy's from and let's talk about where Amy was raised. So my question to Amy changed and I said, Amy, where'd you grow up? And after this question for The next probably two hours, we asked questions about Amy's entire life prior to meeting Wayne Simmons. We had learned that she had enlisted in the Army post 9-11 to honorably serve and protect our country. We learned that before Amy married Wayne, she unfortunately was in an abusive marriage. And Wayne was the first person that had treated her right. And she viewed Wayne as her oak tree before this electric shock injury. And her oak tree was strong and vibrant and the strongest tree in the forest. And without Jacob interjecting, the moral of the story is I wouldn't have gotten half of the human stories I used in my opening statement, my final argument, and even in Amy's direct examination. And we cried together. We laughed together. And from that moment on, I worked 10 times harder on that case, which was probably unhealthy considering how much I was already working on the case uh, before this meeting. Uh, but it, it just goes to show the power. And that's why I'm belaboring the point is that that not only explains why I enjoyed success in my first trial, but it, it explains how this has shaped how I handle all of my clients now, how I how I strive to humanize myself with every client and really know their human story that I can then tell to a jury.
0: Right. And that is so powerful. And just on that note, Brandon, you know, what was it like um, for you when you had Jacob there, who someone is, he's very experienced in doing this mm-hmm. and watching him you know, with your clients and how did that sort of like impact you seeing someone and then going, okay, wow, this is like a different way that I've been taught or a different, um, angle to take, but how that really makes you have that empathy then and the relationship building.
2: Yeah.
1: So, I, I mean, I think I had a great opening statement as it pertained to the overview of the doctor's, uh, statements and what they said about Wayne's condition and, um, that was great, you know, that I had uh, a polished opening statement for for the doctors and and the economic damages, but that that's not um, the important part of any jury trial. Mm-hmm. The important part is telling the human story, and I, I wouldn't have uh, gotten that human story, I don't think, without. Jacob and Nick guiding me in my first trial. I wouldn't have understood the importance of it. So, I, I mean, I, I understood like the importance of an uh, independent medical examiner who was also a, a, a work comp doctor who, you know, their primary objective is to get folks back to work um, if at all possible. And this work comp doctor rendered Wayne permanently disabled. I was going to emphasize that point and I did emphasize that point. Um, but I didn't have the pictures of Wayne and Amy six months before this electric shock injury when they got married. I didn't have the photograph of Wayne at his uh, daughter Savannah's senior prom. I didn't have the pictures of them horseback riding and hunting in uh, Green Sullivan and Hoosier National Park. And those were the points of my opening statement and final argument that were most powerful. Um, and obviously, you know, you need to explain the medical component. But you can't expect an, an eight figure verdict. Without telling these human stories and, you know, kudos to, to Jacob and Nick Raleigh, I'm forever grateful for both of them um, because, you know, that helped me their relationship uh, and mentorship helped me deliver. Uh, an opening statement, final argument, with passion and genuine love for Wayne and Amy. I mean, I, I still talk to them both on a regular basis.
2: So, with an eight-figure verdict, for really as your first trial, your first result, you set the <laughs> you set the bar pretty high for yourself. Moving forward, I'm ready to retire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just uh, like at a just at a higher level, thirty thousand foot level. Like, what was the experience like from beginning to end doing that trial as a new attorney?
1: It's hard to put into words. Um, it's unlike anything I've ever felt. And I, I talked about my football career and my accomplishments playing in you know big stadiums and uh, against Notre Dame and Florida State against 100,000 fans. And the moments before the jury verdict was read by the judge were unlike any other moment in my life. Um, and I, 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 you place all of this trust and all of this hard work into six jurors, six strangers, and they decide the fate of your client. And in this situation, it was such a relief uh, to hear them agree with us that this was a $20 million damage case. And I, I knew that it, it, it was priceless. No matter what IPNL um, was held responsible to pay Wayne and Amy Simmons, it was priceless. But twenty million was a good start. And you know, I, I'm looking forward to my next trial. Um, and I don't need an eight figure verdict to feel that sense of joy uh, for my clients the next time around. Um, and I, I'm just looking forward to getting back in the courtroom and I don't want to be a one shot wonder. I want to keep, keep trying cases and um, keep effectuating change and continue to tell the human story because regardless of where you try a case, whether it be in Indiana, California, Montana, um, you know, if you're telling the human story and and the, the jury can feel that and feel the genuineness you're going to prevail nine times out of 10, hopefully more than that. So.
2: Yeah. so as a younger attorney, what are some of the resources that you're gravitating towards to become a better attorney?
1: Um, I, I So I read anything Nick Raleigh writes or lectures on. I've probably watched every lecture uh, posted on trialbyhuman.com. Uh, I've read Keith Mitnick's book uh, several times over, Don't Eat the Bruises. Um, And I I, I try to take their wisdom and their years of experience and use it to form my own philosophy and my own style and my own approach.
0: Brandon, you know, you've said that you want to like this has been your first trial and you've had such a great outcome and you don't want to be the vanilla ice of um, (laughs) playing lawyers with a one hit wonder, which if he had any other songs, I'm sorry, because I don't remember them. But um, (laughs) You know, receiving such a huge verdict and with everything you've witnessed going through that process with trial lawyers for justice and Nick Riley and everyone's help, how are you preparing yourself now for trials to come?
1: Actively working on all of my cases, meeting with all of my clients and going to their house, going to dinner with them, going to lunch with them, understanding the suffering of, of their family members and what the, the inconvenience their families have gone through since this act of negligence has occurred. And that mm-hmm. that I otherwise wouldn't have done had it not been for the guidance and resources that you referred to of Nick Raleigh and, and Jacob Norman and those guys. Because a lot of attorneys, they, they, they just look at a case as another file and another case number. And you can't do that. Uh, you, if you're going to be a trial lawyer and... A successful trial lawyer, you have to extract the human story and understand what they're going through, what their family's going through, um, if, if you're going to be successful. And I, I'm grateful that you know early in my career, I learned the right way to do it because I know there's a, a wrong way to do it. There's right there. There's so many lawyers that that do it the wrong way, and they're a part of a settlement mill, and they never get out of the box as trial lawyers. And from day one, I've been doing it the right way. And I, I'm grateful um, for some of those mentors for, for helping me do it the right way. Cool. And I mean, the, the last thing I'll say is, you know, it, it's, it's pretty easy to, to be a plaintiff's lawyer because ultimately everyone's rooting for our client at the end of the day. You know, everyone roots for David battling Goliath. You know, Goliath being the big bad insurance industry and their corporate defense attorneys and, you know, our clients being the Wayne and Amy Simmons of the world that are honest and hardworking folks. You know, if you use like a, a sports analogy, even when a 16 seeds playing a one seed in the NCAA tournament, every neutral fan is going to root for that 16 seed to win the game. You know, it's the human nature to, to root for the underdog. And I, I just look forward to learning each and every day how I can better represent the underdog.
2: Well, that's great. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. You've had a, a pretty successful start to your early career. And uh, we look forward to keeping up uh, to date on your progress and all the other cases that you're going to get. It's mm. going to be interesting to see if you can top the so. Uh, top to start. So, Knock on wood, if you can hear it. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Well,
1: well, thank you for having me. It was great uh, speaking with you both.
2: Absolutely. So thank you to our listeners. Remember to like, subscribe uh, wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Independent Life, uh, a plaintiff-focused structured settlement provider. If you're in the need uh, for fee structure deferrals, or your clients have settlement recoveries that they wanna preserve over time, uh, please reach out to Independent Life and they will uh, put you in touch with the right folks. So thanks again, Brandon, really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you guys. Bye.